All right, hello and welcome to another edition of the homeschool educational supplement that we know as interesting stuff where we dive into topics where other people fear to tread and today we are looking at the life of Dr. David Livingston, which I've subtitled Livingston and Stanley because there's more than one person involved in this super interesting story. So let's do it. Let's dive in. And first, a little bit of background information on the man himself, Dr. David Livingston. He was a Scottish physician. He lived from 1813 to 1873. He was a Congregationalist, a Christian missionary pioneer and an explorer in Africa, eventually becoming one of the most popular British heroes of the late 19th century Victorian era. He had a mythic status that operated on a number of interconnected levels. Protestant missionary martyr, working class rags to riches inspirational story, scientific investigator, explorer, imperial reformer, anti-slavery crusader, and of course, advocate of British commercial and colonial expansion. Now Livingston's fame as an explorer and his obsession with learning the sources of the Nile was founded on the belief that if he could solve that age-old mystery, his fame would give him the influence to end the East African Arab Swahili slave trade. The Nile sources, he told a friend, are valuable only as a means of opening my mouth with power among men. It is with this power which I hope to remedy an immense evil. His subsequent exploration of the African watershed was the culmination of the classic period of European geographical discovery and colonial penetration of Africa. And at the same time, his missionary travels, disappearance and eventual death in Africa and subsequent glorification as a posthumous national hero led to the founding of several major Central African Christian missionary initiatives. Yep, he was an all-round hero. But to fully understand the story of his life, we have to start not with Dr. Livingston himself, but with another man named Henry Morton Stanley. In 1871, James Gordon Bennett, who was proprietor of the New York Herald newspaper, recalled his toughest reporter from the war in Spain, saying, draw a thousand pounds now, and when you have gone through that draw, another thousand, and when you've gone through that, draw another thousand, and so on. But one thing, find Livingston. And so Henry Morton Stanley had his mission. Two factors made possible this African exploration. The ruthlessness of reporter Henry Morton Stanley and the wealth of his patron. David Livingston, missionary and explorer, was a national hero famed, among other things, for having been the first European traveler to reach the Victoria Falls on the Zambezi during his exploration of the river in 1855. 
He stayed deep in the heart of Africa for so long that most people believed he was dead. But Bennett had other ideas. He wanted a scoop for his national newspaper. Where Livingston had used the Bible, Stanley used a bludgeon. He forged his way forward ruthlessly, sacrificing life and principle on the way. When he arrived in Zanzibar, the main port for the East African slave trade, he bought the services of 150 porters, excellent interpreters, two inexperienced white lieutenants, a dozen of the native auxiliaries, and an enamel bath with Persian carpets. Because why not, right? Vitally, for Stanley's strategy, Bennett's money also bought an arsenal of weapons and 18 bales of fine textiles, for he intended to fight and bribe his way to the town of Ujiji, I think I've pronounced that right, U-J-I-J-I, not sure, on Lake, <laughs> I'm going to get this wrong as well, Tanganyika, hopefully, which was Livingston's last known station. Forward was Stanley's motto. His demonic energy and his brutal pace reduced many of his men to mutinous stirrings, which he quelled with floggings. Later in his career, as he fought his way up the Congo River in Zaire, his men nicknamed him Bula Matari, meaning smasher of rocks. He survived two murder attempts on his way to find Livingston, and nothing could stop him until his path was blocked by an army led by a slave trader's porter, who had appointed himself a chief. When faced with this dilemma, Stanley's instinct was to attack. But as his allies ran away, he was forced to embark on a long detour to the south. This diversion and recurrent bouts of malaria threatened the momentum of his expedition. His diary became feverish reading, No living man shall stop me but death. Not even this. I shall find him and write it larger. Find him, find him. By November 1871, Stanley despaired of reaching Livingston without being beggared by the extortions of local chiefs. Buying up as much food as he could carry, he bribed an expert local guide to lead his party in small groups west off the beaten track under the cover of darkness. Four days later, they emerged within sight of the destination village and the lake. The champagne and silver goblet Stanley had carried with him to toast Dr. Livingston had not, after all, traveled in vain. And what of that historic meeting between Stanley and Livingston? While Stanley himself wrote, I pushed back the crowds and walked down a living avenue of people. As I advanced slowly towards him, I noticed he was pale, looking wearied, had a grey beard, wore a bluish cap with a faded gold band on it, had on a red-sleeved waistcoat and a pair of grey tweed trousers. His account continues... I would have run to him, only I was a coward in the presence of such a mob. Would have embraced him, only, he being an Englishman, I did not know how he would receive me. So I did what cowardice and false pride suggested was the best thing. I walked deliberately to him, took off my hat, and said, Dr. Livingston, I presume? 
And so were said the famous words repeated hundreds of thousands of times in history books and encyclopedias across the world. But was it all true? Some historical accounts doubt the accuracy of these statements. Take this, for example. Livingston had completely lost contact with the outside world for six years and was ill for most of the last four years of his life. Only one of his 44-letter dispatches made it to Zanzibar. One surviving letter to Horace Waller was made available to the public in 2010 by its owner. It reads simply, I'm terribly knocked up, but this is for your eye only. Doubtful if I live to see you again. Henry Morton Stanley had been sent to find him by the New York Herald newspaper. He found Livingston on the 10th of November, 1871, greeting him with the now famous words, Dr. Livingston, I presume? Livingston responded, yes. And then, I feel thankful that I am here to welcome you. These famous words may have been a fabrication as Stanley later tore the pages out of his encounter in his diary. Even Livingston's account of the encounter does not mention the words. However, the phrase does appear in the New York Herald editorial dated 10th of August 1872, and in the Encyclopedia Britannica, and in the Oxford Dictionary of National Biography. The words are famous because of their perceived humour. Livingston being the only other white person for hundreds of miles, along with Stanley's clumsy attempt at appearing dignified in the bush of Africa by making a formal greeting one might expect to hear in the confines of an upper-class London club. However, readers of the Herald immediately saw through Stanley's pretensions. As noted by his biographer, Stanley struggled his whole life with the perceived weakness of being from a humble background, and often manufactured events to make up for this supposed deficiency. Stanley's biographer suggests that the famous greeting was truly motivated by embarrassment because he did dare not embrace Dr. Livingston. Whatever the truth is, Stanley did meet Livingston, and the meeting did make history. And it cemented Livingston's place in society and culture as one of the giants who made geographical discoveries for European knowledge and benefit. He inspired abolitionists of the slave trade, explorers, and missionaries. He opened up Central Africa to education and health care and trade, and was held in some esteem by many African chiefs and local people, and his name felicitated relations between Africans and the British for long after. Partly as a result of his work, within 50 years of his death, Colonial rule was established in Africa, and white settlement was encouraged to extend further into the interior. However, what Livingston envisaged for colonies was not what we know as colonial rule, but rather settlements of dedicated Christian Europeans who would live among the people to help them work out ways of living that did not involve slavery. Livingston was part of an evangelical and nonconformist movement in Britain, which during the 19th century helped change the national mindset from the notion of a divine right to rule lesser races to more modernly ethical ideas in foreign policy. And in 2002, David Livingston was named amongst the 100 greatest Britons of all time, which is not bad 
for a little boy from Ballantyre, South Lancashire in Scotland. So what do you think? Interesting story, isn't it? What do you think the truth is? The truth is that the truth gets lost sometimes in history. It's hard to know. There are so many different accounts. I think we can begin by believing that people are honest in their representations and they try to convey what actually happens. And I think it's become easier over time as well as we have more accurate ways of recording data with audio and video now. It's much more helpful. So I tip my hat to those explorers of the past and those who explored after the explorers as well. It must have been a rough ride. And thank you for tuning in today to the homeschool educational supplement known as Interesting Stuff. I hope you got something out of this. If you'd like a different topic, let me know and I'll be happy to help you out if I can. And so I wish you a good day wherever you are and I'll speak to you again soon. Take care.